From the Jesuits of Canada and the United States, this is AMDG, and I'm Eric Clayton. This week in the United States, we celebrate Thanksgiving. It's a holiday in which we're invited to cultivate a disposition of gratitude. What are we thankful for? Who are we thankful for? How can we be gifts to others? Gratitude is a foundational disposition in Ignatian spirituality. Ignatius wanted us to know that our God is a giver of good gifts, a God who delights in us for the gift that we already are, and for the giftedness we have yet to share with our world. From that place, that spiritual sense of self, we go out to do God's good work. Today's guest is Jesuit priest Mark Thibodeau. He's the pastor of Holy Name of Jesus Parish in New Orleans, and a prolific writer on all things Ignatian. He's something of an expert on that foundational Ignatian prayer of gratitude, the examine. Father Thibodeau has been praying the examine for a long time, and today we talk about how and why the examine is such a versatile prayer. There are examines to ferret out racism, and examines to combat climate change, and examines to help us better understand the mission of our Jesuit institutions. But at the end of the day, the examine is about gratitude. Without it, everything else goes south. So today, we talk about prayer, spirituality, and gratitude. Here's Father Mark Thibodeau. Father Mark Thibodeau, welcome to AMDG. We're glad you're with us today. I'm delighted to be here. Thanks for inviting me. Yeah, and we're excited. You know, we're we're in Thanksgiving week, so we're going to talk about gratitude. But before we do, um, I you know you've written a number of books, and they're all examining different aspects of Ignatian spirituality. So just off the cuff, I'm I'm curious, how do you decide what to write about? You know, how do you you settle on a, the specific need that you think your your writing and insight is going to meet? Yeah, so that's a really great question. You know, when I was uh, a lot younger and working on the very first book, there was a a, a workshop uh, for young Jesuit writers. It was called the Young Jesuit Writers Conference. And it was really great. It was wonderful. And it fit my need perfectly. It, was, it came exactly right moment of my, of my sort of career. And uh, there was a publisher, a Catholic publisher, who was uh, speaking about, you know, what might you want to write about? And what they said, and I'll never forget it, they said, write the book that you want to read. And mm. that was the most insightful thing for me because every time I've decided to write a book, it's because it, it was a book that I wanted to read. You know, just, just to give you one example, I have one book called uh, Dear God, I Have Issues. And the idea is that you look up the issue that you're dealing with, and it gives you advice about how to pray. It gives you scripture passages and famous quotes and things like that. And the reason why I wrote that book was because that's the book that I wanted. Like, I oftentimes sit down to pray, and I'm feeling some emotion, like I'm feeling sad or angry or happy. And I want to pray with that emotion. And I, I thought many times, oh, I wish I had something that would lead me to a, a scripture passage that would help me pray over this emotion. And I couldn't find the exact thing that I was looking for, so I wrote it. You know, so so every time I've written a book, it's because it's because it was something that I was passionate about and, and that I wanted to read about myself. 
Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I wonder, um, do you find then in conversation with readers um, of, of your work, do they do they then share with you like, oh, like I was having the same, you know, I was in the same place you were in and then your book kind of met that need. And then do you find yourself kind of in, you know, uh, kind of bridging those, the I don't know, kind of solidarity gaps between you and these other people in their own, in the same spiritual quest? Yeah, very much so. Like just to give another example, I have a a book with uh, Loyola Press called Reimagining the Ignatian Examine. That one's on my shelf. Okay, great. <laughs> uh, and, and I wrote that again, right? Write the book you want to read, right? So uh, I myself personally was struggling with staying faithful to the Ignatian Examine. And my, my problem was that it would get a sort of a little bit rote and routine for me to do the exact same five steps as laid out by St. Ignatius. They're perfect, they're, they're perfectly written. And yet to do the exact same five steps every single day, even twice a day, it just becomes a bit rote routine. So I was like, I wish there was some book that had just a variety of approaches to getting at the same thing, getting at the same sort of idea of the Ignatian examine, but asking different questions. And again, nothing existed, so I just wrote it. Uh, well. I thought that one was going to be an incredibly small book. I, I thought there wouldn't be that many people interested in it. Uh, but that, in, a, in some ways, is the biggest book because it's been translated into, I think, at least five languages, maybe seven languages now, all around the world. It's really taken off. And it's because I found out later that my problem was a lot of people's problems. A lot of people mm -hmm. really wanted to pray the exam and but they were getting a little bit stuck in the routine of it. And it, it sort of felt like boxes to check off instead of, instead of, uh, instead of, you know, a vibrant prayer and uh, grabbing my book, they were able to sort of uh, play around with it, uh, have a little fun with it and, and go at it from different perspectives. So it turns out that I tapped into a need that, that was universal. So that must that must be really um, kind of a grat like a grace filled grace filled feeling to be like oh I've stumbled into a real need and, and clearly the spirit is at work. I, I want to talk more about the examine, but first you know you, you do a lot of writing on Ignatian spirituality in general. Obviously you're a Jesuit, you're you're a pastor at a Jesuit parish. I'm wondering if you have um, kind of a an elevator pitch or a way that you um, talk about Ignatian spirituality um, briefly when you're trying to to explain the charism of of your community or, or even just again your parish to you know perhaps a, a new parishioner who's kind of just joined how do you how do you frame it yes well i would say that saint ignatius is nothing if not a man of deep deep gratitude so i'm really glad that you wanted to speak in this week in particular and on the topic of thanksgiving because i sincerely believe that ignatius lived his life out of gratitude I, I think before his sort of, you could say, conversion after the cannonball moment, uh, he, before that he was sort of, let's say, a nominal Catholic. And his idea was sort of maybe perhaps buying his way into heaven, uh, that, that he could maybe earn his way into heaven. But uh, after his conversion, he experienced God saving him as a free gift, as a free gift. And I think he lived the rest of his life out of gratitude. And so I think gratitude is an enormous part of, uh, of our experience. And then I would say that Ignatius believed that, that God 
is everywhere and, and God is in everything and in every experience and that we can find God in all things. And, and that God, Ignatius says, is laboring. It's not just that God is present, but he's actually laboring. He's working hard to reach out to us in love. And so everything about Ignatian spirituality is about saying yes to an invitation, becoming aware of God, not only God's presence, but God's laboring to love us, to give us, if you will, a spiritual hug. And it's it's saying yes to that uh, in, in gratitude. Um, I'm glad you, you brought up gratitude as kind of, you know, foundational to Ignatian spirituality. And of course, you know, we're thinking about Thanksgiving. H- how do you think about or encourage others in their kind of cultivation of gratitude as a disposition and not simply, you know, a knee jerk, oh, like, you know, thanks for the, thanks for the pie or thanks for the gift or, you know, thanks for holding the door, um, which, which aren't bad things, of course, but I feel like gratitude in a spiritual sense, um, can and should go a lot deeper, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But I think that, uh, what was true about Ignatius is true about all of us to some extent, to some extent, we all sort of unfortunately think that we have to buy our way into God's love. We have to somehow earn our way into God's love. And of course, God is calling us to act rightly and act justly, but but God is giving us a free gift of love in the way that a good mom and a good father gives a free gift of love to their children. God is giving us this free gift. And, and so I think there can be a switch, a, a turnover from living your life out of debt, like you're in debt, like, oh my gosh, I, I have to pay off this debt to God for my sins. Uh, living your life, like constantly trying to pay off a debt to living your life out of gratitude. Oh my gosh, God has given me the gift of salvation. And now out of gratitude, I want to give back. And so both people, people who are paying off a debt and people who are living out of gratitude, they both are doing good acts. But you know that someone, if someone owes you something and they're trying to pay you back, that's a whole different experience than someone who just feels so grateful to you for giving them something and, and they're giving you something back in gratitude. It, it's just this incredible experience huh? to, to receive uh, a gift, a, a, a presence out of gratitude instead of out of being beholden. And so I think that's where that, that spirit of gratitude can be, can be all pervasive in one's spirituality. Uh, but I like to put it a different way too. St. Ignatius says that ingratitude is the root of all sin. And what he means by that, and this is so true, isn't it? That like, if you think about what is sin, sin is a, a misuse of a gift from God. That God has given us everything, starting with life, huh? starting with life, starting with creation. But every sin, any sin you can think of is basically taking some gift from God and misusing it. Well, if you're grateful for something, you won't misuse it. If you feel so great, if you've given me something and I treasure it and it like, oh my gosh, if you give me uh, something that made of a precious uh, crystal, for example, that could be broken, then I'm going to hold it with this great precious um, hold and I'm going to, I'm going to really care for it deeply. So, so 
sin is ingratitude when I'm sort of cavalier about the gifts of God. And, and therefore, virtue then, if that's true, then virtue is just holding with, with sacred hands the, the gift that God has given us. So, so I, think, I think gratitude is kind of the, the, the foundation of all spiritual life. I like that a lot. And you're making me think of um, my two daughters, you know, if we get them, a, like whatever the latest gift is, right, is like the biggest thing. Like they hold it, they they, they they sleep with it, it sits next to them, you know, if it's like a stuffed animal or whatever. Um, like, the, you know, just the utmost care is paid to that gift. But then as time goes on, right, as there's new things, there's new wants, there's new uh, interest or whatever, that gift is like at the bottom of the toy chest. And, um, and I almost feel like, you know, like Thanksgiving, like the Thanksgiving season, um, can be right a good reminder to kind of like take those old toys out of the out of the toy chest and hold them up and look at them again right um not not for my not literally not for my kids uh, maybe we should give some things away right but the but the but but in our kind of spiritual lives like we hold these 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 older gifts up and be like oh that's right like this is this is still something i'm I'm grateful for and and that that reminds me of God's love. I don't know what what do you think? How should we be how should we enter into like the the holiday itself and and practice gratitude? Right. Uh, that's that's a really wonderful way of putting it, Eric. I, I do think that this is uh, obviously Thanksgiving. Let's just name it. It's a secular holiday. Huh? This is created by, if you will, the government. But but uh, but it, how wonderful. I, I, it's a secular holiday that I think is inspired by the Holy Spirit. And, and I think the holiday calls on all of us and Christians more than anyone should, should be inspired and, and, and um, inflamed in order to, to, to pull out all of the toys out of the toy box, all of the gifts, every gift that we've been given by God, and to sort of take note, like just, wow, just take inventory of all of the gifts. You know, the psalmist says, my cup flows over like the truth is that God has given us so many gifts that it's just hard to it's hard to count them all. There's too many gifts that are like the sand, uh, the grains of sand on the shore. You know that there's so many gifts that we can't exhaust uh, the the inventory of the gifts that God has given us. So a time of Thanksgiving can be a, a moment when we can stop and say, "Wow, look at what God has given us," and it can reignite our our reverence that your children have for that new toy, we can, it could sort of reignite our reverence, our, our excitement, our gratitude for gifts that has been given to us long ago by God. Yeah. So let's go back to the examined, because the examined, you know, uh, gratitude is, is an essential piece there. So how do you teach it? How do you teach the examine um, or encourage the examine um, with, you know, with that, that mind towards gratitude? Right. So, uh, Let's recall for a moment the first uh, steps of the examine, according to St. Ignatius Loyola. He says that, number one, we, we reflect with gratitude about things that we're thankful for. Number two, we call upon the Holy Spirit to lead us in, in, in this prayer of the examine. Then number three, we start to look over our day. Number four, we look at the areas where things have not gone so well, and we we pray about those areas and perhaps uh, ask for forgiveness if, if, if there's some area that I'm in fault at. And number five would be uh, the future. But notice, so number one is Thanksgiving. Number two is calling on the Spirit. Number three is starting to look over your day. When I first started to 
research my book on the exam and start to prepare for that book, I asked myself, why would Ignatius do it in that order? I would have thought, first you call on the Holy Spirit, uh, and, and then you look over your day, and then you give thanksgiving or, or, uh, or asking for forgiveness. It seems like that would be the more logical way. And certainly you can do that. That's fine. And that's one of the varieties that I give. But Ignatius has a wisdom in the way he does it because he says, before we do anything else, give thanks. Don't do anything else. And, and so without him saying it explicitly, he's giving us an insight there that we, we can't, there's no way to begin a prayer except through thanksgiving. That, that if we put a, a sort of, deep, deep, solid foundation of prayer. Everything else will build on that. Even our petition for the Holy Spirit to come upon us. If, if we, we petition the Holy Spirit out of a sense of gratitude, the whole prayer is going to be an entirely different prayer, a, a deeper prayer, a prayer from a deeper place. So, so the examine, according to Ignatius, the way he lays it out, it all begins with gratitude. It all begins with that inventory of the gifts that God has given us. And, and everything else springs forth from that gratitude. Um, obviously, you've you've written different variations on the examine. Um, I think as you kind of go through the internet, and I, I know certainly on Jesuits.org, you know, we have a number of different examines we've collected, you know, examines uh, for, you know, against racism, examines against, um, you know, for, for, or for, for college campuses to, to look at their mission, you know, examines just for your everyday um, or examines, you know, for, for the environment, right? There's, there's so many different kinds of examines. Um, I wonder if, if you might comment on that. What, what makes the examine both so versatile and also, um, you know, it, what, what really is in some ways a, already a versatile prayer, we then kind of um, specify, uh, in, in different ways. So I, I'm just wondering, as, as someone who's done a lot of thinking on this prayer, um, uh, how do you make sense of all that? Yes, I think if you look back about, let's say, 15, 20 years ago, or, or maybe a little further, maybe 25 years ago, there were not all of these varieties of the exam. And I, I think we're in a movement right now of, of reigniting uh, a desire for the exam. And uh, I think that before I wrote my book, there weren't that many varieties of examine. So I think I, I, without knowing it, I think I was at, kind of at the beginning of, of a communal desire to sort of look at where are the different ways that we can pray the examine. And when I was writing it, it was a little bit controversial, actually, because I had Jesuits who were saying, oh, no, you can't do that. You can't, you can't change the five steps you you have to ask the exact questions that ignatius asked that that was sort of a belief 25 years ago and i think that belief that sort of i would say kind of um let's say i don't know sort of fundamentalist belief in a, in a bad sort of sense of that word uh is what led to the exam and kind of slipping out of everyone's practice because again everyone was kind of getting in the sense of it being a rote and routine thing. And, and so we had to sort of push through that idea that, that we are um, chained, that we're, we're bound to, to do it precisely in the way that Ignatius did it. And I argued that Ignatius himself gives us permission because Ignatius, as far as we can tell, and I have researched this a little bit, 
it seems as though perhaps he made up that word, that word examine, E-X-E-M-E-N, rather, E-X-A-M-E-N, that he made up that word, that it kind of didn't exist before. There's examination, examination of conscience, but this is something different. And he uses the word in different ways in different parts of his writing. So he has what's called a particular examine, the general examine, even the, that term general examine, he uses in different ways. He uses it different in the constitutions of the Society of Jesus than he does in the spiritual exercises. All of that is to say that Ignatius himself seems to have varieties of the examine and, and doesn't want us to be uh, stuck in, in a rote way of looking at the examine. And why Ignatius is a classic, why he's a classic writer is precisely because it can be adopted and adapted to different spiritualities, different movements of the spirit. Ignatius says that the creator wants to deal directly with the creature. The creator wants to deal directly with the creature. And if that's true, then everyone's prayer time is going to be a little bit unique, like a snowflake. Huh? And, and therefore, our exam is going to be unique. Our spiritual exercises are going to be unique. And, and so it, that, that's the brilliance of St. Ignatius of Loyola and why we're still talking about him 500 years later, because it, it, the brilliance of him is that you can a, adjust and adapt it. He, he gives you a, a very basic formula that you can bring in your own life circumstance and, and change the tenor and the tone of it, but keep that, that sort of internal structure that he, he lays out for us. That's a beautiful image that each of our prayer lives are are like a snowflake in that, you know, diff, you know, unique, you, essentially unique. Um, um, and I'm also struck by kind of what you said that we're in kind of a movement where the examine is being um, re-examined, no, no pun intended, right. maybe, maybe a little pun. Um, but, um, but I, I'm struck and then, and then kind of, as I'm listening to your, your, your reflections, I'm thinking about, again, there's, there's so many examines for issues of, of injustice, right? Peace and justice. And yet we still, and so these, are, these are big, important issues, like issues of our time, right? That we, you know, that, that, that demand to be addressed. And yet still there's that um, that through line of gratitude, right? When we're, when we're, you know, we, we look at the environment, we look at, you know, war and conflict and all these grave, you know, evils in our world. And yet we still cultivate that disposition of gratitude, right? What is, so what, what's that about? Like, how, how does, how do those two things go together? Cause probably that wouldn't be the, uh, uh, you know, the guess that, that we should be grateful and also thinking about, you know, conflict. Yes. Well, I'm glad you're bringing that up because I think that, uh, Social justice and social justice issues, and especially the the parts of our world and the parts of our life that are crying out for, let's say, reform uh, and, and for reconciliation, uh, beginning with ourselves, of course. Uh, if we begin with the problem, then it's going to lead us, frankly, to a dark place. Uh, and and I think that's often the problem with we Christians. We, we're ready to look at the dark areas. We're ready to look at the war-torn areas of our world, for example, or, or that the environment, uh, our, our creation uh, is in such uh, bad shape and that we need to change our relationship with planet Earth, for example, or poverty, poverty in our country, in the United States, but also around the world. So we're ready to look at these problems. We know we need to. Christianity demands that we do that. If we begin 
with the problem, then it's going to lead us to a place of hopelessness. And St. Ignatius says that, that any time we have hopelessness, that's from the, from the false spirit. It's, from, it's not from the good spirit. And, and so Ignatius would always have us start with a place of hope and gratitude. So, for example, you know, in the issue of the environment and how we need to clean up our, our waters, our, clean up our land, clean up our skies, if we start with the problem, it's gonna, we're just going to feel overwhelmed by the problem. But if we start with, wow, look at what God has given us. Let's read Genesis 1 again. Uh, in the beginning, God um, breathed on the earth, you know, and, 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 and birds of the skies were created. So we begin with gratitude for this great gift. And then from there, we start to say, well, how can we, what's our response in gratitude to what God has given us, you know? So, so I, I think gratitude is necessary if we want to, to, to prevent ourselves from falling into a pit of hopelessness. Yeah, I think that's well said. Um, let's let's change uh, uh, tax a little bit here, because um, I know you're a, a pastor at a, at a Jesuit parish on a Jesuit um, you know university campus, um, and I you know I I know you've, you've spent the past several years there. I think we often think of Jesuits at high schools, right at colleges, um, not as frequently at a parish. So how does Ignatian spirituality um, animate a parish community in a way that might be different than in you know your typical school setting. What are kind of some of the, the lessons learned that you've you've picked up along the way? Yeah, I love that question. You know, uh, as you said, most Jesuits don't work in parishes, and when you hear Jesuits talk about who are the Jesuits, we tend to talk about the spiritual exercises, missionary work, and education. Those are sort of, if you will, the three. Uh, large things. You could add maybe the social justice ministries. Those those are kind of our, our greatest interest. Uh, parishes, not so much because parishes, uh, the, the, the um, primary apostolate of, of the diocese, of, of the diocesan structure, of the bishop and the bishop's priest in a, in a diocese, they, it's their primary apostolate to, to maintain the parishes. Not so much for us. So, yeah, we don't really think about it as a Jesuit thing so much. Uh, but, you know, Ignatius says that we need to find God in all things. And I think a parish, a high school, a university, even a retreat house, they're looking at God in very particular areas, you know, in education, in, let's say, adolescence, for, for example, with high schools. Or even a, a retreat house, it's in spirituality and prayer. But a parish is looking at the totality of one's life, the totality of one's life. And a parish is 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 the home of your of all your sacraments. So baptism, first communion, confirmation, reconciliation, wedding. So all of the most important moments of your life where where you encounter God in these special moments of your life and also your daily life every day going to daily mass uh, that all of that happens at a parish all of that happens at a parish and and so if you will i would say that the call to find god in all things is answered in a particular way and in, in, in a most full way at a parish actually and and we can do that we we, we can we can sort of have the jesuit parish as a model of what it means for a parish community to seek God in all things. 
Um, I'm sure you've heard this before, because I know I have, as, as someone who lives near a Jesuit parish. Um, people, once they discover that there are Jesuit parishes, um, people often then say, but we don't live near one. Um, what can we do, right? And, and um, um, so, so for folks who are listening who don't, who don't have a Jesuit parish nearby, how, how can they introduce Ignatian spirituality and, and this charism into the community? You know, not as like a curriculum or anything, but but just as a um, uh, you, you know as a way of kind of some of these good these good treasures that people love in the Ignatian tradition. How can they bring them into wherever they are, no matter where they live and what their what their parish looks like? Sure, sure. Well, uh, there's a few different things you can do. One is there's an incredible uh, array of of Jesuit resources online. So your podcast, for example, but there, there are lots of other podcasts of Jesuits, Jesuit parishes, even Jesuit parish podcasts, you know, so like I have a podcast of homilies, uh, all my homilies are, are launched in a podcast. Again, this podcast and then uh, America Magazine has podcasts, Loyola University, excuse me, Loyola Press rather, has had podcasts. And then YouTube has a lot of different resources as well. So every single thing that we do at our parish in the church is broadcast, live streamed, uh, and, and not only live streamed so you can watch it live, but it's also, you can go back and look at it. So you can go and, and, uh, and participate in our All Saints Mass uh, from November 1st, if you like, you can do that as late as Thanksgiving, if you like, and look back. So there are so many wonderful resources. And then, uh, uh, like for example, if you go to Holy Name of Jesus uh, YouTube channel, there's a whole workshop on uh, discernment of spirits, Ignatian discernment of spirits. And I lead the workshop, and I'm speaking to parishioners. So a parish that's not Jesuit, for example, could could gather in a, in a gathering place at their parish and watch the video of me speaking to my parishioners about Ignatian discernment of spirits, and, and then they can stop the video and have a discussion. So, so those would be ways that, that they can do it. Of course, there are so many different books, huh? lots of wonderful books, not just the Loyola Press, but other presses as well. But Loyola Press, for example, has an entire series for uh, PSR, what we used to call catechism, you know, for little kids. There's an entire series uh, and, and great resources for the, the, the parish school of religion uh, for any parish, whether you're Jesuit or not. So those would be some of the ways that I think uh, a parish that's not Jesuit can, can, um, can tap into some of the wonderful resources that Je Jesuit spirituality has to offer. Yeah, no, I, that's, a, that's a great list of resources, and we can drop a few of those um, in the description for this episode. And I, I think, too, what you were saying kind of in your previous answer, that a parish is where we find God in all things, you know, most uh, most readily, because we're, we're at every stage of life. I think even just, you know, after folks have had a chance to do that prayer, um, you know, with the resources and, and to, you know, sink into the exam, and then, it, you know, it, you know, God is there in your parish, no matter, you know, what parish what parish it is, you know, what kind of faith community it is, God is there. Um, and so cultivate that uh, those eyes to see, I think, is is, is really important. Um, uh, kind of going back to our maybe ending here with our with our theme of gratitude. Um, we think of gratitude obviously now for Thanksgiving, but then we have Christmas, and it's like a full speed, uh, you know, full sprint to the finish line. How can folks during the season of Advent, um, you know, when they're rushing around making cookies and, and getting their uh, uh, their gingerbread lattes, how can they keep uh, gratitude, uh, you know, at the at the forefront? Right. Well, you know, one thing I might suggest 
is to ask yourself, are, uh, have you filled up this holiday season with a little bit too much, with too many things, too many, for example, too many Christmas gifts, uh, and, and maybe a little too many parties, too much uh, items on the table. And the reason why I say that is because I think sometimes these holidays, they can become a little bit overwhelming and, and they can become a sort of a workload, you know, like, oh my gosh, I got to, now I got to set all this up. I have to send this quantity of Christmas cards, that sort of thing. So w- one thing might be, you know, Jesuits are called to the vow of poverty, and I would argue that Christians are called to the the life of simplicity. And so, how perhaps might I make uh, make the holidays, Thanksgiving, but also Christmas, a little simpler, a little less uh, filled with stuff, and and a huge quantity of events, a huge quantity of food, a huge maybe a little bit less and then enjoy the what we've what we've kept you know so if we have if there are five things we did last christmas and we reduce it to three things then can't we hold those three things a little bit more in the sacred hands and 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 with greater gratitude i think part of what prevents gratitude is it, it we're just a little bit overwhelmed there's too much stuff in our day in our calendar even under our Christmas tree. So if we, as a family, make a decision to go a little bit more minimalist, then we can enjoy the few things that that uh, that we do have. And it might lead to, to greater gratitude in the end. So um, you heard, her, heard it here first, and what I hear is that I'm not sending any Christmas cards to anybody this year. So everyone should just uh, assume that of me. Um, just uh, kind of as we close out, what what um, what writing projects are on the horizon? Do you have anything again that's kind of books that you wanna wanna read that you're gonna write? Well, thank you. Thanks for asking. Uh, so right now, I'm not doing a lot of writing because being pastor is a pretty overwhelming job and I'm in the midst of a huge capital campaign. So, and I've never done that before. So it's sort of taking up more of my time than, than I normally, uh, uh, spend. Uh, but, but I'll, I'll answer it anyway. I have been for years writing, this is not unusual for a pastor writing what we call pastor page. So a a one page essay for our bulletin. Uh, and so, uh, even that, I've sort of taken a little hiatus because of this campaign I'm in. But for the most part, these five years, I've been writing these one-page essays. Most of them are reflections on the Gospels, uh, and they and they come out of my preparation for homilies. And I've just loved it. I've just enjoyed reflecting on the Gospels, and particularly the Gospel stories, uh, and the, the par- parables, for example, of Jesus. I've just sort of re-fallen in love with the parables and, and the, the gospel stories. So I would love a little dream of mine that I've not begun yet, but but in my head anyway is a dream of of writing uh, about all of the parables that Jesus tells. I, I don't even know how many there are. I want to sit down and count them. Talk about counting your blessings. Huh? How many parables are there in the New Testament? I'd like to sit and count each one of them and then perhaps offer a reflection about each and every every gospel. I think that could be delightful. And perhaps if I wanted to sort of fuse Ignatian spirituality, I could even put them in the order of the four weeks of the spiritual exercises. So those are some of the sort of dreams I have in my head uh, that we'll see if the Holy Spirit, uh, you know, leads me to it, you know, so... 
All right. Well, Father Thibodeau, when that book comes out, you can come back on AMDG and tell us all about it. <laughs> oh, I would love to. I would love to. That'd be great. Thank you so much uh, for being with us today. Have a very happy Thanksgiving and, uh, and a great Advent season. Happy Thanksgiving to you, Eric, but to all of you listeners and watchers as well. Happy Thanksgiving to everyone. And, and let's all be grateful. Huh? Let's all give thanks to God for, for all that God has done for us. Amen. AMDG is a production of the Jesuit Conference of Canada and the United States and recorded at our headquarters in Washington, D.C. This episode was edited by me, Eric Clayton. Our theme music is by Kevin Lasky. The Jesuit Conference communications team is Mike Lasky, Marcus Bleach, Megan Leapsch, Becky Sindelar, Kristen Smith, and me, Eric Clayton. Connect with the Jesuits at Jesuits.org and on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. Get our weekly email reflection series, Now Discern This, by visiting Jesuits.org weekly. If you or someone you know would like to learn more about becoming a Jesuit or Jesuit life in general, connect with your local vocation promoter at BeAJesuit.org. Drop us an email with questions or comments at media at Jesuits.org. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you get your podcasts. And finally, as St. Ignatius may or may not have said, go and set the world on fire.